The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition today. Spain, Barca go top four. Italy, Inter's lead slashed at one point. France, Messi scores a goal. All the unbelievable details of the European weekend, plus Samps, Atomic and Dortmund's Groundhog Day and Belgium too. Coming up in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And off we go with another European edition of the Totally Football Show. Listener, you know the drill, you know the lineup. Got that James Horncastle. Woo! That's me. Splash of Julian Laurent. Bonjour. And a mighty helping of Alvaro Romeo. Hola. Hola, James. Got a lot to talk about, of course. You're right, listener. We have had a week off. We did miss PSG losing in the cup to Nice. And. Ooh, Alvaro, Athletic Club de Bilbao beating Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey semi-finals. Woof, how sweet was that? Very sweet, because we won it in the pretty much last minute, and in the last month we have beaten Barcelona, Atletico de Madrid, and Real Madrid, so things are going pretty well, but I don't want to get too carried away, because I've seen my team losing seven cup finals in a row, oh. and I want to take it little by little this time. Well, you got a semi-final coming up. Uh, which, which day are you, Wednesday or Thursday? Uh, we're playing on Thursday. Thursday, right. Okay, and that's against Valencia in a two-legged semi-final. The other semi sees Rayo Vallecano taking on Real Betis. Crikey, all right. Uh, super. Jules, any comment on PSG losing to Nice in the Coupe? It was bad. It was really bad. Really, on penalties? Really, really, on penalties. Hmm. Um the debate was a bit on the 18-year-old Xavi Simons who took the penalty oh. uh, and why not a more senior player had stepped up because he went in number six and Poch uh, washed his hand completely saying, well, I sorted out the number, the top five. After that, it was more down to the feeling of the players, which I thought was a bit easy. Um, Xavi Simons, to be fair to him, has been taking penalties at under-19s all his life. Um, someone like Kim Pembe could have stepped up, never taken a penalty either. So, I don't know, there's pros and cons, but it was a terrible display by PSG. Imagine taking penalties uh, at under-19 level all your life. So at, at age two, he was stepping up to take penalties at under-19 level. I mean, humor, that, yeah. that must have been really character-forming, I must say. From towards towards seven, eight, he improved, and it was right. much more clinical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. All right, let's get some moments of the weekend then in association with Paddy Power. Jules. Well, I have to start with PSG and the 5-1 win away at Lille on Sunday night against the champions because that was probably uh, the best performance we've seen since Pochettino arrived at the club, certainly in the league. It was good. Messi was really good. He scored, which now he has scored as many goals as Adil Rami in Ligue 1. Mm. Um, but he was, he was really good <laughs> and he played in the centre. He looks much better in that position in the centre. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what, what Pochettino does next with Messi. Crikey, a result so one-sided that even Messi scored, James. Jules, uh, you mentioned Adil Rami, uh, which brings us back to the time he was dating Pamela Anderson. Do you ever think we'll see Disney Plus do <laughs> Pam and Adil as well as Pam and Tommy? Please. <laughs> or you just don't think it'll have the same success? I think this would be amazing. He, he, he's up for uh, uh, a new career after his career finishes, which will be soon. As an actor, he said. He did, he did okay. a couple of interviews this week or last week. Where he comes back, he said, basically, I was the fantasy of the whole country, like the whole of France. All French men were envying me and wanted to be in my position, you know, going out with Pamela. Mm -hmm. um, so we know it didn't really finish well between the two of them. We, we, we know as well that they, they were not really talking to each other. But yeah, it was still, still a lot of fun. Okay, let's get some moments of the weekend, though. Avaro. Well, this time the moment of the week is uh, something that 
doesn't look too funny. I mean, it was uh, Simeone just lifting from the floor Daniel Vaz, um, so he could keep playing against uh, Barcelona, and Daniel Vaz was visibly suffering from uh, something. Uh, this week, uh, or today on Monday, we learned that he had a sprained uh, knee and he couldn't play, but Simeone lifted him from the floor without an iota of care, and uh, probably the doctors uh, were not advising to do that, but Daniel Vaz playing the last minutes of that game with an injury was a very bad image and at the end of the, the game Ferran Torres, Jordi Alba went to him because he was really suffering on the floor and yeah, I think that this time Simeone didn't do a favor to himself sometimes he doesn't know how to adjust his passion and this was one of those times Interesting though that that game featured both a Daniel Vaz and a Daniel Vaz but uh, we'll come on to that major <laughs> tactical observation perhaps later on uh, James well, I know Jules is very loyal to Ligue 1, but I think this weekend, of all weekends, he could have been forgiven for cheating on the French League to go with Serie A, and particularly the Derby de la Madonnina and the French connection. Let me think, <laughs> I don't know which one to pick. There's so many. Uh, but for Jules, I think this one, yeah, there's, there's no doubt. It's Mike oh, Mania, French goalkeeper, making the saves. It's Giroud scoring the goals. It's Teo Hernandez provoking a, uh, a tunnel fracker at the end, as they are known, as Milan came back from behind to beat Inter and throw the closest title race in Europe's top five leagues wide open all over mm. again. The only title race. The yeah, only title true. race. Excellent. All right, well, let's hear more about all of those stories and much more in this Totally Football Show. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4-plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus, be gambler aware. Dot all. Saturday night at San Siro, it was the Milan derby and a Milan side that was battered black and blue by Inter in the first half, coming from behind in pretty improbable circumstances to blow the City out title race wide open. All right then, James. Gazetta de la Sport Sunday morning said, Giroud, the derby belongs to you. What did you think? <laughs> well, it did. I mean, it was a stunning turnaround uh, in the space of five minutes uh, from Milan. Um, I think they were helped by Stefano Pioli's uh, changes. I think he recognised that uh, Frank Kessie playing as number 10 was not working, brought on Brahim Diaz. All of a sudden, Benacer started to find Diaz in between the lines. And then Inzaghi helped as well uh, with his own changes, uh, which hurt Inter. Um, and, you know, so as much as Inzaghi uh, was saying, Afterwards, that the result is a lie. We dominated for 70 minutes. They they threw this game away. Um, and I think, yeah, there is a, a trend with it where they've won one of six games against uh, the teams that are in the title race um, and uh, Champions League running as well, that they've lost their heads before in their uh, first and only defeat of the season before Saturday night against Lazio when... Uh, Federico Di Marco was on the ground. The referee played advantage. Inter took advantage, uh, but didn't score. And, Inter, and Lazio went up the other end and, and got a goal themselves and went on to win. Um, and it's it, it's weird because you know as we've spoken before, James, on this on this show, uh, Inter have it feels like they've gone to another level this season in the standard of their play. They've obviously got into the round of 16 in the Champions League. They are still top of of Serie A, but this record against the top sides and they're kind of inability to hold their nerve in these games is uh, a source of preoccupation going into what is a very uh, tough series of games over the next month. Well, it was a fabulous turnaround for Milan in a literal sense for Giroud's second goal where he spun and shot past uh, a flailing Handanovic. Uh, but a huge boost for Milan after a week which has seen some criticism of their lack of activity in the transfer window. They're now one point behind Inter who have got a game in hand but you mentioned Inter's record in the big games. Inter also only one point ahead of Napoli, and that's who they're facing next weekend. Yikes. Yeah, they'll have Koulibaly back, um, fresh from winning uh, the African Cup of Nations with Senegal. Koulibaly, who 
has been out, it feels like, for months uh, from Napoli, either with injury or, or going away um, to, to Cameroon for, for the African Cup of Nations. Uh, and you know, whilst they've struggled a little bit without him, Joan Jesus has been playing uh, in his place. Um, they've gradually got more and more players back over the last month. And I think it's four straight wins now uh, in the league. Um, and it's been curious because no one's really been speaking about Napoli. Um, you know, on the back of the transfer window, it was, wow, Juventus won the transfer window. Juventus are back. Um, Inter had a good transfer window as well. They're top. And Milan, as you mentioned, got criticised and it felt like they were f uh, fading. And lost in all of this is Napoli because, you know, Napoli <laughs> didn't do anything aside from um, sign Axel Twanzebe in the, in the transfer window uh, to cover for Costas Manolas who left. They've had a few injuries, as we mentioned, and you know, they lost, uh, they relinquished top spot really from November, but they're right in it. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it'd be very interesting to see how Inter manage their, their energy, I suppose, over, uh, over this cup quarterfinal that they've got against Roma in midweek, which is all of a sudden massive for Jose Mourinho, not only because it's against his former side who beat him 3-0 uh, earlier in the season, but because Cups are the only way that Jose is going to make a success of this season um, at Roma, and then yeah, they've got to they've got to go to Napoli um, and Osimhen back on the score sheet in the win against Venezia. We need to talk more about Napoli. I think that's the that's the conclusion, really. All right, well, it's a huge game coming up at the weekend. Only one point separating the top three. I should mention that it was a bad weekend all round for the Inzaghi's because while uh, Simone was losing at San Siro. Pippo Inzaghi, his big brother, got fired by his club pressure, even though they're third in the table down in Serie B. This following a goalless draw with Cosenza. Who on earth is the crazy owner who would fire na <laughs> national treasure Pippo Inzaghi in such a manner? Ah, Chilino, he's still there. He's, he's still part of the Italian football landscape. Just as you know, we lost Maurizio Zamperini last, uh, last week, passed mm -hmm. away, the former Palermo and Venezia manager Alinatori. Um, used to go through, what, tens and tens of coaches over three decades at the helm of uh, football clubs. Then Ferrero, who's, you know, sort of had to relinquish his position as owner of, of Sampdoria. But, you know, Cellino's still around and he might be uh, in charge of a club that makes it back to Serie A mm. next season, just without Super Pippo. Ah, Massimo Cellino there at Brescia, even if Inzaghi isn't anymore. All right. Well, the other big thing to talk about from Serie A, as you mentioned, Juventus with the signing of Dusan Vlavic uh, just at the end of the transfer window. He made his debut Sunday night in the clash with Verona. So did their other uh, big January signing, Denis Zakaria, both on the score sheet. Uh, DV7. I'm surprised they're not calling him yet. But what, oh, yeah. a, what a brilliant start uh, for the Serb. Yeah, I mean, it felt like the debut of a new Juventus, not just these two players, um, both of whom got on the score sheet. It's quite interesting. Allegri afterwards says, ah, it didn't have such a great game. You know, I mean, he, his control early on left a lot to be desired, lost the ball three times. But, I mean, he could have had a hat-trick. And uh, I think what's exciting for Juventus fans is that, um, you know, as, as much as it was Vlajevic and Zakaria scoring, the guys assisting those goals was Morata, who was the man of the match. Uh, fantastic performance from him. And Dybala um, as well. Um, so, look, it, it wasn't a sparkling performance um, because I think, you know, Verona made it difficult, um, although they were quite toothless themselves. Um, but certainly very encouraging for Juventus side that, you know, really since November has you know, locked the back door, doesn't concede any goals anymore. And this attacking anima is, is, is now being uh, introduced into the team and now feels, feels alive. So, um, so yeah, even the, the guy that they signed for next season, Federico Gatti, the Frosinone centre-back, he scored as well. So all the Juventus signings scored this weekend. I mean, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great time to be an old lady. Italian press calling Dusan Vlavic the best striker not called Erling Haaland in Europe. What do you think, Jules Alvaro? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think it's, he's right up there. Um, I think he needs the Champions League now, or at least play in Europe, to, to confront himself with the, the best defenders, which Haaland and Mbappe, whatever the others of that generation have done already. And then we will have a better idea. 
but certainly in terms of goal scoring, in terms of the finishing, the ability and everything that he can do. He's such a complete striker. I think he's right up there for sure. Mm, can't believe Chiro Immobile is not in this conversation, but but yeah, Alvaro. It's not the same age. <laughs> maybe not for me. Maybe, Chiro you know. or Zero? Oh, well, it's... <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think that uh, he also oozes confidence at this stage. I mean, he's been scoring non-stop for, for a long time now, Dusan Blaovic, I say. And uh, yeah, I think that Haaland, Blaovic and, you know, maybe Hurricane, uh, whenever he's kind of fit, uh, are the best strikers in Europe right now. All right, well... Dusan Vlavic should be debuting in the Champions League against Villarreal in a week or two's time uh, for Juventus. Speaking of whom, let's next up get the latest from La Liga. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Spain, Alvaro, Barcelona, busy on the transfer front. Their first game after that flurry of January signings was a big one against the reigning Liga champions Atletico Madrid. Their direct rivals for a top four spot over a huge win for Barcelona and a huge scoreline too. Yes, it was a very entertaining game. Mm, probably the first uh, high-profile win of Barcelona this season because, uh, you know, they haven't been able to, to beat Bayern. Benfica, Real Madrid in two occasions, uh, Sevilla either. So this time Barcelona won again. That was labeled as a big game, important for Barcelona definitely because if they lost, Atletico was going to run away uh, in the fourth spot. And this Barcelona, I don't think that has the ability right now or to chase. Uh, basically, it's a team in construction, and we don't know if they can actually win game after game after game, back-to-back wins. I mean, this is difficult for Barcelona. So it was very important for them. And um, this was a game, number one, with a class of ideologies. At the beginning of the game, they were asking Xavi about Simeone's style, vice versa. Well, we know that they are not particular fans of each other's styles, but anyway, this time Xavi's style is imposed itself. Uh, I would say that uh, clearly. In a game that um, Barcelona showed new things, new players, uh, a new vigor as well, and uh, many ing- ingredients that had been missing for a while. Uh, mm. Resilience, because they played 20 minutes with a man down. Entertainment, because Adama Traoré is a very entertaining player, and he did entertain the Camp Nou, especially in the first half. Effectiveness, because they shot only five times on target, and they scored four goals, which is an oddity in this current Barcelona, and also there was a populous stand accompanying the party, which is something that hasn't happened lately with the pandemic and with the lack of passion about the team in Barcelona for the last months. But this time in the Camp Nou, there were 74,000 spectators, which is quite uh, quite uh, an attendance for this current Barcelona. So you put all this together, plus the fact that the six players that featured in the game uh, were not Barcelona players at the beginning of the season. I'm talking about Alves, Gabi, Ferran, Adama, Nico, and Aubameyang. And you realize that there has been a little bit of a revolution here at Barcelona. You put all this together and you realize that this Barcelona is very different to the Barcelona that uh, started the season in September. And this win was very important for the project. When was the last time they scored four goals in a game, Barca? Probably in the first game of the season against Real Sociedad. Okay. That's the, right. so the first one I can recall. Mm. Okay. Really. Adama Traore, you mentioned how entertaining he was. He got an assist. Probably the goal of the game was by a familiar face, Jordi Alba, the, the equaliser. Absolute stunner. It was beautiful. Uh, the expected goals from that position is really low, especially because the ball is coming high. He volleyed. Maybe he hit a little, a little bit with the shin. Uh, I don't want to the downer here, the party pooper, but this may have happened. Mm-hmm. That said, the goal was beautiful. It looked like 
like a three pointer from Stephen Curry. I don't know how to explain it. Like the ball like flied onto the net, uh, into the net, and uh, yeah, it was totally unstoppable for Jan Oblak. So, in a very important goal for Jordi Alba. He hasn't had a great uh, January month. I would say that he was one of those players that uh, was a little bit of hit and miss, but this time he definitely got it right, and it was a beautiful goal by by Jordi Alba. Yes. Excellent. Uh, what about Aubameyang, meantime, whose uh, move to Barcelona happened since our, our last show? What, what do you what do you make of that? How do you see that going? Well, I think that you know all the signings that Barcelona has done f- for free, signings or new players that they have brought in uh, for free uh, in winter, they've got pros and cons, and uh, we know them very well. We know what Aubameyang is about. Uh, we know what he cannot offer. Same thing applies to Adama Traoré. Same thing applies to Dani Alves. But with Piedre Emerico Bamellang, there is something that can be tremendously beneficial for Barcelona. Barcelona lacked a lot of effectiveness in front of goal in the first half of the season. I think that the, the departure of Neymar, sorry, of Griezmann and Lionel Messi left a really big hole in Barcelona. Um, no one was scoring with ease apart from Ansu Fati, who is always in the sidelines. So Bamellang is bringing that to the team. Maybe he's not the most hard-working player. We know that in the left flank, uh, he's not dribbling past a lot, uh, but we do know as well that as soon as he enters the box, he's a different player to anybody else at Barcelona because he's got this effectiveness, a certain needs to score goals, and if he recovers the kind of form he saw at the end of the 1920 season when he was the best player in the FA Cup in England, if he recovers a little bit of that, he's going to be very important for Barcelona because Adama... Dani Alves and Aubameyang are certainly improving the squad. They are bringing their own profile to a squad that is lacking profiles. Uh, they are lacking a dribbler, a guy with a speed, like Adama. They are lacking a right-back with the know-how, like Dani Alves. And they were lacking a goal scorer. Well, Aubameyang is here. Excellent. Oh, on the subject of Dani Alves, he was on the score sheet, got a goal, an assist and a red card. Here's a stat. This is from Tim Lee. Uh, Gavi, who also scored. When uh, Gavi was born... Alves had already played 46 matches for Sevilla. Cheapers. And Xavi Simmons had been taking uh, penalties. Uh, for the under-19s. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a good time for Dani Alves anyway. He, yes. he did start uh, for Brazil against uh, Paraguay the other day in a win of Brazil by 4-0 against, uh, against Paraguay. And uh, Tite and Xavi have found the position for him. It's not that this is something new, I mean, something uh, uh, tactically astute or anything like that, but or that we have never seen. But Dani Alves doesn't overlap anymore when Barcelona has the ball. Dani Alves stays with the midfielders or with the defenders. And, uh, you know, if he doesn't have these offensive responsibilities, then I think that Dani Alves can prolong a little bit longer his career. And he could be important for Barcelona uh, in this season. He's not going to be registered for the, Euro- for the Europa League, by the way. But I think that in La Liga, he's going to offer something different to Serginho Dest. Serginho Dest is about energy. And uh, Dani Alves right now is about uh, using his head and playing football very well. The good crazy. Yeah. You mm. can say that. As for Atletico Madrid... Currently lying there as crippled as poor Daniel Vass. They've lost five of their last eight league games. The champions currently lying outside the top four. What's going on, Alvaro? Nothing is going right right now mm. for Atletico de Madrid. I mean, 11 teams are better defensively than Atletico in La Liga. This is unprecedented uh, under Simeone. Uh, Simeone created the best defensive unit in Europe for three or four years, and Atletico is no longer that. I mean... 11 teams in La Liga have conceded less goals than Atletico de Madrid. Atletico has done a, an emergency signing. Reinildo, he played a little bit um, against Barcelona. I don't know how much he's going to bring in this squad. Mm, he will play in the left back as soon as he gets uh, much fit for Simeone. Uh, but uh, apart from the defense, also in attack, uh, Simeone doesn't know how to get the best of his attacking talent. Uh, every attacking player he's got has a different profile, different skills. And uh, Simeone seems like uh, not to profit this profiles uh, into the right games. He's just playing these uh, guys up front. And uh, it's like they don't have a plan. Yesterday, Atletico played for 25 minutes with uh, one uh, more player than uh, Barcelona. And they didn't know how to attack. They didn't know how to uh, break a very tight defense. And then also, I think that Simeone is always giving their strikers a little bit of freedom, but not too much. 
Mm. Uh, their freedom is very ephemeral in the games because number one, they have to work hard. Number two, they will have their freedom every now and then in the game. And I think that this goes in the mind of the players too. Yannick Carrasco, for example, yesterday, he looked like the best player of Atletico de Madrid. But as soon as Adama Traoré was giving a torrid afternoon to Hermoso, Yannick Carrasco had to defend with Hermoso. Instead of using Yannick you know, to attack. Uh, he was deployed to defense. Same thing happens to Lemar. He knows that if he doesn't play very well after 55, 57 minutes, he's going to be replaced. So I think that this goes in the mind of the players too. And then, you know, they are missing Marcos Llorente. This is unquestionable. He was the best player of Atletico de Madrid last season. And um, not in attack, neither in defense. They are capable of controlling the game. And then when it comes to the midfielder area, the midfield area, Coque basically is the only man who is always playing there, but mm. uh, whoever plays alongside him doesn't seem to add a lot. Rodrigo de Paul this season he started very well, but he hasn't become the referential midfielder than Atletico wanted. So there are many things not functioning, and very soon they will be playing against Manchester United in the Champions yeah. League, another dysfunctional team. So this is going to be quite fun to watch, probably, because both teams are really strugglers right now. Okay. Well, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, uh, very good. Uh, Barcelona then into fourth place, two points clear of Atletico Madrid. Real Madrid had a wonder win over Granada. They are now six points clear at the top because Sevilla only managed a nil-nil draw at Osasuna uh, with Anthony Martial making his debut uh, there for the Andalusians. Hmm. All right. Uh, next up, let's get a quick check on Mario Balotelli and then the Bundesliga. We all enjoy the sport we call the beautiful game. But since I've retired, I've discovered an ugly, even darker side to the sport we love. Join me as Jamie Redknapp investigates. Thanks, Jamie. We'll take it from here. Join Jamie Redknapp for Jamie Investigates, the football mockumentary series. Watch on Paddy Power's Twitter. This week, Jamie investigates people who still call the Premier League the Premiership. Do you know the truth? Paddy Power. 18plusbegambleaware.org on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. That's right, I said Mario Balotelli. Brace for Super Mario this weekend as uh, Vincenzo Montella's Adana Demispor climbed all the way up to third in the Super League. Yes, third. They're 17 points off the top, you know, to be fair, where Trabzonspor hold a mighty nine-point lead over Konyaspor, but they're still third place and heading for European football. Remarkable, Mario Balotelli himself has now got 10 goals in 20 league matches, which, yeah, it's all right. Uh, James, how did he, he <laughs> had a little spell with the uh, Azuri, of course, in their recent stage. How, how did that go? It went OK, uh, but Mancini was up front and said... They didn't Look. fight, did they, this time? <laughs> No, but I mean, he was very clear on what the hierarchy is uh, when it comes to uh, the strikers that will be playing for Italy in the March playoff against North Macedonia and Palermo. And then if they prevail, the winner of Portugal and Turkey. And that's maybe, you know, where mm. Mario is is playing wow. like the secret agent role. You yeah. know, he's, the, he's Mancini's man in Turkey, sussing it all out in the event that they uh, they then play against the Turks. The Turks. Who, who, what's the hierarchy then? Right, it's it's your friend Chiro Mobile. Woof. Um, and uh, and then there's the sliding scale, isn't there? Of uh, Gianluca Scamacca, mm. uh, the Sassuolo forward. Uh, João Pedro, who is uh, another player who uh, was called up for the first time uh, to be part of the stage. And well, I mean, there are lots of lots of Italians, even you know, sort of. Uh, Manolo Gabbiadini, who unfortunately suffered an injury, a uh, long-term injury uh, for Samp. Uh, so Sebastian Javinko uh, is now back in, in Serie A. Here's your answer. Um, it's going to take you to the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, the, the, the hope is, is, is He could is, still is be taking penalties for the under-19s, Javinko. You know? He's taken them all his life. Yeah. <laughs> in the under-35. But I, I read that today about him... Um, him coming in for Gabbiadini at mm. Sam. But where, where's he been? What's he been doing? Well, I mean, you've got to take your hat off to Jovinko. I mean, he's 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 set for life, isn't he? Because uh, just as Robin Gosens has said he turned Newcastle down, right. even though he knew it could pr- help him provide for not just w- the next generation, 
but the generation after that of Gosens. Um, Javinko has, has, has probably provided for, I don't know, the next four, five generations of, mm. uh, of Javinkos in going to Toronto, where Insigne right. has gone. So Toronto have signed Insigne because of the success of the Atomic Ant. Remember, that mm. was his nickname mm-hmm. um, in, in MLS. And then after, he went to Saudi Arabia. Ah, right. And I think he, he was there until, until Samp basically said, hey, Sebastian, we saw you doing all these, this press uh, whilst Insigne got uh, his move to Toronto when you said, MLS, it's not all that. Um, right. It's a different sport. And we thought we'd, we'd bring you back. So yes, the Atomic Ant is, is, uh, is, is yeah, back, on, back right. in Liguria. And taking care of future generations. I, I got to believe that. I mean, his needs can't be very great. He lives in a little box, a little shoe box somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, excellent. Okay, well, that's a fascinating little vignette. Uh, let's now check in on the Bundesliga with our pal Christoph Biermann. Hi, James. Hello. How are you? Lovely to have you back on the Totally Football Show. Um, I see. Your Bayern Munich are nine points clear again after their win <laughs> over Leipzig and, and Dortmund collapsing at home to Leverkusen. What a crazy-looking game that one uh, was, the Dortmund-Leverkusen match. Yeah, they probably would have also needed an atomic ant or, or something mm. like that or, or, or several more. But I mean, for Borussia Dortmund, it was a bit like the, the Groundhog Day. But, but the difference with the Borussia Dortmund Groundhog Day is uh, you don't know when they are coming. Um, because three, three weeks back, they had probably one of their best performances uh, of the season when they were defeating Freiburg 5-1. And uh, yesterday, they totally collapsed against um, Bayer Leverkusen and... You didn't really see that uh, coming. Um, they had been winning um, at, at Hoffenheim before, dropped out of the German Cup at uh, Second Division St. Pauli. So um, uh, Borussia Dortmund is a is a bit of the problem child uh, of, of the Bundesliga right now. Mm. Yeah, and, and indeed for but, a long, long time. But... But um, uh, they have signed uh, Niklas Süle, um, the uh, central defender on a free transfer. Uh, they just confirmed it uh, uh, today. And um, that's an interesting move. Um, uh, Süle is 26 now. Uh, he played uh, five seasons for, for Bayern Munich. They wanted to extend his contract, but uh, obviously they didn't want to pay him as much as he wanted. And uh, so now he will be playing uh, for Borussia Dortmund uh, in the next four seasons, or at least he signed a four-year contract. And and that's very interesting because it probably says that uh, he will be one of the top earners for uh, Borussia Dortmund um, in the future. Uh, you mentioned their form of late. They, they won nine of their previous ten matches at home in the Bundesliga. Dortmund, they were without Erling Haaland for this game, but in as much as they have ongoing problems that, that resurface from time to time, was this also about an extraordinarily good uh, Bayer Leverkusen? This was their, their biggest ever win away at Dortmund. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a p- fantastic performance by Bayer Leverkusen. I mean, they are... Um, it, on on a good day, and they had had uh, some good days uh, during this season. It's 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 really fun to watch them because they are so light-footed, they are so quick, they have excellent players with um, uh, Florian Zwirz who. Um, on a good day, looks like the future of, of German football. Uh, Patrick Schick, who didn't score uh, yesterday, who is their top scorer. DRB, who is he is one of the fastest players in the Bundesliga. But on the other side, um, um, they they Borussia Dortmund uh, um, they they will defeat it more or less by by their counter attacks and. Um, and you know how they play. And I think a, a team of the quality of uh, Borussia Dortmund should be prepared. Um, and and I think, I mean, what the, the players and, and Marco Rosa, the coach, said, they were prepared. I mean, they were not surprised by the way how Bayer Leverkusen played. But they... Um, um, yeah, they, they didn't follow the instructions and, and um, sometimes 
I mean, I don't, I don't like to talk about it, but uh, uh, but but sometimes it it looks as if um, they are lacking mentality, mm. the mentality to to concentrate, to mentality to follow instructions and 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 so on, and um, and that's part of the ongoing, yeah, what I call groundhog uh, thing uh, discussion about um, their instability. Mm. And the situation in the Bundesliga is that even with this defeat, things stay more or less the same. They're in second place where they were probably uh, always going to be, uh, or at least was always going to be uh, the, the sum of their uh, ambitions in terms of of league standing. They're nine points behind Borussia, five points clear of Leverkusen, and uh, just kind of humming along in much the same kind of uh, much the same level, even with this defeat. Bayern, though, taking on Leipzig, Julian Nagelsmann's. A former club and winning three two. How was this match? Uh, it was a terrific match. It, it was um, it was fun to watch. It was it was open. Leipzig managed to to um, shoot more often on the Bayern goal than any other team uh, this season, and maybe Bayern was even a bit lucky in in winning it but altogether it it was very good and it showed that the failed experiment with Jesse March is now in a good way corrected with uh, Domenico Tedesco as a new um, uh, head coach and uh, Leipzig looks like being back on track and they look like the the team that that um, should end up in the in the uh, one of the top four spots so that they uh, qualify again for the Champions League next year. Mm, they're still a way off. The, well, I suppose they're only what three points behind Union Berlin. Also in the mix, there Freiburg and Köln, uh, who I always enjoy referencing. Uh, and uh, last time you were with us, you were telling us about the cult figure that is Stefan Baumgart, the <laughs> cool manager, who wasn't able uh, to be at uh, their win over Freiburg on Saturday, but he still made front page news. <laughs> yeah, because his daughter filmed him while her father was watching the match and he put a, a video on TikTok and it's actually <laughs> it's actually very funny, even if you don't understand a word of German. You, you, you see a, a, a nutter um, jumping around in his, his living room with the dog on his shoulder. So the dog is, is stepping on his uh, shoulders when he's standing in front of the telly. So that is uh, so it's it's a, a recommendation, uh, even if you again, if you don't don't understand a word of German. I, I think it's 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 not properly German. It's more like like this kind of stuff. Right. I have to say that sounds like German to me. So, but yeah, um, <laughs> he. Um, you mentioned the, the, the strong brand that Stefan Baumgart's got. I must admit, watching it, I noticed he still had his trademark hat on, and I wondered if he was entirely unaware that his performance was being filmed. Uh, uh, probably not. I mean, that, that would be a surprise if, if uh, for for whatever an hour or so, somebody is filming you or, or yeah. a, a smartphone is uh, installed. So I think it's it's maybe not a big PR story, but, but maybe a, a tiny uh, PR story for him. Excellent. All right. Well, so he's in the hunt for a top four. Uh, anything else we should know about the Bundesliga weekend, Christoph? Coming back to uh, Bayern, so um, Manuel Neuer will be out for at least four four weeks, maybe six weeks, because he's undergoing uh, an operation or already did today on on his knee, and I think it tells a bit about the Bundesliga or at least the situation on, uh, at the top of the Bundesliga because he was obviously not injured. It was more like um, although the situation is okay right now. I can 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 do the operation to solve a little problem with, with my with my knee and uh, will be back for the for the Champions League. Uh, I, 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 hold on, I wait uh, until the match against Leipzig is played, and but, but then I can take a break. So it's it's a bit um, maybe uh, tells a bit about the 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 attitude uh, Bayern can have toward the Bundesliga right now, mm-hmm. and even the Champions League. Uh opponents RB Salzburg not, not not the toughest of draws many people would regard that as okay well, well fabulous stuff Christoph thank, thank you so much for uh, bringing us all of that we look forward to catching up with you uh, soon 
Okay, thank you. Cheers, bye. The great Christoph Beermann there uh, with news from the Bundesliga. Next up, let's hear Jules on Ligue 1. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Which will come in handy when Mikel Arteta finally bends the process altogether. Pre-match bet builders only get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Maximum free bet is £10. Other T's and C's apply. And please, gamble responsibly. Kylian Mbappé sur le côté gauche, l'intérieur pied droit Jules, woof. Sunday evening, big clash of the champions in Ligue 1. And a big win for Mauricio Pochettino as Paris Saint-Germain went to Lille and did them 5-1. Yeah, 5-1, big win. He needed that, especially after the, the Nice defeat in the cup. Uh, no longer ago, they lost 5-1 in Lille. Kylian Mbappé uh, mentioned it at the end in his, in his post-match interview. It was a really good game, to be fair. I mean, Lille made mistakes defensively and gifted a couple of goals to, to Paris, the one to Messi who finished it well, but that was a big mistake by Botman. But overall, I thought PSG, with Messi as a force number nine, played really well. Maybe the best game, certainly of the season, and maybe even since Poch arrived at the club, they were they were really well organised, structured. I thought the counter-press worked really well. They considered a goal, and, and Ben Arfa really did Di Maria bad on the left-hand side. And when Thierry Henry asked the question, Kylian Mbappe after the game, Mbappé about Ben Arfa said, well, you don't buy talent at Tesco, uh, which, is, which is fair. Otherwise, we would all queue at Tesco to get the talent. Um, uh, and at that point, it's 1-1. Uh, and we think, OK, let's see how PSG react. But he reacted really well. Mm. And it's a big win, especially eight days, seven days now before the Real Madrid clash in the Champions League. Is that all it is until the Real Madrid came? Yeah. yeah. Maybe Benzema is not available, by the way. Let's see Jules, what did Carrefour say about Thierry Henry? <laughs> I mean, is Tesco a thing in, in, in France? I mean, yeah, what's... Sorry, so Kylian mentioned Carrefour, but I thought mm. listeners would not know what Carrefour is. So I, oh, myself... Listeners know what Carrefour is. The cultural translation. Okay, so he said yeah. you don't buy the quality at Carrefour. What, what does that I mean? Which I thought Tesco... You don't buy at the supermarket, that's what he Yeah, means. but what does he mean you don't buy the quality at the supermarket? Not Classy non aqua. Okay, yeah, yeah but no, so is he saying the, that the Ben Arfa isn't? He said you can't buy Ben Arfa at the at the supermarket. No, I think he means the talent that Ben Arfa has is yes. not given to anyone. You can't buy it at the supermarket. You, right. you kind of you're born with it like him. So the culture market. Yeah. I understand, you but you can buy it at the market. They just have one. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's how Lil got. I don't know. I don't get it. So but the positioning um, of of Messi would be interesting because that was his best game easily. Remember. A few weeks ago, already on this show, I said, stop playing him wide on the right-hand side where he doesn't have any more the, the qualities to do well there. He does, he's not as quick 
on the first five yards as he used to. Also, if you play him on the right, you block Ashraf Hakimi to like just bomb up and down the flank because Messi would stand up there. So it would be difficult and it worked much better with Messi as a force nine centrally for Hakimi on the right-hand side, for Di Maria who then got a knock, so Draxler came on. And that worked well. Uh, and I don't think even Mbappe minds playing on the left if Messi is as a force nine, he comes inside enough like, he's, like he did on his goal, which is a bit of his trademark now. So I'm, I'm really curious to see if, what Poch is going to do now and especially against Real Madrid if, if mm. the idea is to have, to have Messi in that position. He's been a bit unlucky anyway, James, because he hit the bootwork seven times in the league. That's a lot. And uh, mm. he did it on Sunday again. Yeah. No, uh, f- fair enough. Second goal now. Six assists for plucky Leo Messi and a massive win for Paris Saint-Germain. 13 points clear now, Jules. Yikes. 13 points clear of Marseille, who've gone second. They had a 5-2 win over Angers, while Nice, who had been second, got beaten at home by Clermont Foot. Woof. All right. Other news, uh, Jules? What do you want to talk about? Struggling Bordeaux? How about Lyon's unbeaten run coming to an end, an end, as we say, at the hands of Monaco? Yeah, Monaco played really well. Philippe Clement, who's starting to change a few things there, especially the first half. And for Lyon, who just beat Marseille on Tuesday in that replay fixture when the game was was abandoned. Remember, after four mm. minutes, when Payet was hit by a bottle at the uh, at the Groupama Stadium, Lyon won that game two one, coming back from one 0 down with Peter Bosch changing everything at halftime, which worked, and Xadan Shakiri being amazing, one goal, one assist. Well, since that game. Lyon lost at Monaco going back to their old self where it's a shambles and Peter Bosch is a shambles. And Shakiri has decided he's had enough. So he's off oh, to yeah? MLS and Chicago Fire uh, where actually Lyon would get more money for him now than they actually paid Liverpool for Shakiri uh, seven months ago now, which is quite unexpected and, and really a, a late Christmas gift for them because they, they were very happy to let Shakiri go because apart from that game against Marseille, he'd been dreadful all season. So mm. they really welcomed the offer from Chicago uh, and got rid of him. But as we saw in the Monaco game, Shakiri was not the problem, really. The problem is much deeper with Peter Bosch, with the tactics, with the players underperforming and also a few injuries. Ryan Shaki is now out for three months. Uh, Usain Mawa is out as well. So Guimaraes has gone, as we know. Uh, so Is that least... their Champions League money, Jules, covered? You've sold Guimaraes, so if we don't get Champions League, it's okay. Newcastle have paid us 50 million. Yeah, I think financially it's difficult for them. And they, they're obviously on the stock exchange, so on the stock market, so they need... Have it's, you traded it's, it's, all your stocks in Lyon? Is that it's gone. Seems... It's gone a long time ago. Alas, I'm <laughs> telling you now, I've sold out. Um, and they, they, they need it. And they still need the Champions League. I th- Peter Bosch, we will know by the end of the month. This is right. the deadline, the end of February, to know if they keep him or sack him. And very good in, in one half against Marseille on Tuesday, last Tuesday, uh, and then dreadful against Monaco in the two halves. So it's really hot and cold at times with him. I can't see him staying, I have to say. Lyon are currently eight points off the top three in a Champions League berth for next season. Monaco who actually won this game 2-0. And by the way, what a fabulous goal from uh, Vissam Ben Yedder as well, mm. uh, as per usual. Uh, they are ahead, two points ahead of Lyon. Trying to do my maths here. They are six points behind third place Nice. And just on Marseille, Arkadius Milik with a, with a hat-trick. Mm. Uh, him who's been struggling all season and carrying this team. They were 2-0 down at home, Marseille, at the Velodrome against Angers after 15 minutes. Coming back to score five goals, obviously, to win 5-2 was pretty impressive. And Milik was at the heart of it all, so it was really good for his confidence. Excellent. Excellent. Very good. Listener, if you're wondering, meanwhile, Ligue 1, but what's going on across the border in Belgium? We've got a treat for you next as we hit the Jupiler League. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Malgré son jeune âge, une intelligence oh, c'est dans ça c'est Une c'est intelligence Undaf. magnifique. Et là, honnêtement, Undaf qui vient inscrire un but, c'est assez logique. Belgium, you're right, listener. It's been a while since we checked in on the Jupiler League, where runaway leaders are Union Saint-Gilloise, which is a remarkable story because they only got promoted to the top flight in Belgium this season, after half a century almost, 
down in the lower tiers. And they are now 11 points clear of Antwerp, 12 of Club Bruges, and heading to a Champions League near you. How? Who? Let's find out from Christophe Terreur, who joins us now. Hello, Christophe. Hello, James. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and what a remarkable story this is. Another win this weekend, and this time against uh, well, one of the, the traditional top sides in Belgium, Antwerp, beating them 2-0 away. Yes, pretty remarkable what they keep on doing. They got 10 out of 12 points against uh, the teams you expect to qualify for the playoffs. They're direct competitors in a, in a few weeks when the, in Belgium they, the, the playoffs start. As, as we all know, we have the pretty annoying system where you first have a normal league and then the points are split into two and, and you start over again. But Union will have a, have a big advantage uh, on the rest if uh, if they keep on performing like they're doing now it's uh, it's an amazing story but it's amazing football that they're bringing too so mm. i absolutely did know that about the playoffs christoph uh, they're unbeaten in 11 matches so you you know you'd you'd fancy their form going into uh, those decisive matches but what's behind this incredible rise that they've had out of uh, the the second division and then straight to the top and and past everybody else well, uh, a few years ago, they were taken over by, by Tony Bloom, who's uh, also the brighter owner. He uh, invested some money into the club and then they yeah, got working strict on a, on a databasis. Uh, yeah, like all clubs they do nowadays, scouting on a databasis. But yeah, there's, uh, they have a good manager too. They got Felici Mazou in Italy. Yeah the son of Italian immigrants who worked at Charleroi before, had a brief spell at Racing Genk and is the ideal manager for yeah, an underdog team and he plays a similar system like Antonio Comte does, like the 3-5-2 with the wingbacks on the line basically and from there everything starts so they have a pretty easy system, they got good recruitment over the, over the last few years so that's why they are suddenly there and they got a, yeah, a striking pairing up front that scoring goals and making assists for each other. And if you have two players who can score a lot of goals and you have a defense that doesn't concede a lot, then you get far in football. So it's that easy, I think. Mm. Oh, both goals this weekend coming from the German striker. How should it be pronounced? Dennis Undav? Yes, that's right. That's a perfect pronunciation. Thank you so much. He's up to 20. <laughs> he's up to 20 for this season. And he's going to be, or he, he, he should be turning out at the Amex uh, this time next next season, or at least next, next campaign, because he signed for Brighton on deadline day. Of course, as you mentioned, also owned uh, by the same man who co-owns Union saint Gilloise. Yeah, Undaf is uh, is one of the revelations. Nobody had heard of him before. He was somewhere in the, I think it was the third German league somewhere. They scouted him. They saw something into his data, and then yeah, he seems to be a top character too. But because that's something that's playing in the background too. It's a group without any stars. All unknown players or players who were not good enough for certain teams uh, it's a bit like comparable with what Leicester did when they uh, when they won their title like lots of underdogs who, and a few of them will made it make it in, into top teams like Umdaf there's also Dante van Zee the other striker who uh, who made it already into the Belgian squad so yes that's uh, it's it's a remarkable story, but yeah, we will see it next season when they get into Europe, uh, into European football, because they will win on the European tickets. It's that easy for them now; they can't lose it anymore. I think so. Mm. Um, when they play every single uh, yeah every three days, and when the manager doesn't have to rotate anymore, because they almost play every single week with the same team, and that's that that's something you can't compare to the other teams in Belgium who have been playing in Europe a lot too so uh, they have that advantage too mm, Alright, well, uh, echoes thereof as, as you mentioned Leicester uh, as and when they do get into Europe they'll be presumably having to use a different stadium because their current ground is an extraordinary uh, I'd not seen much of it before but it, I mean it's magnificent but what does it hold, about 8,000 and, and most of it is kind of grass and ferns 
Yeah, it's it's from uh, it's still from the early 1900s, so it's still the same old study. They've built a few new stands, but they will have to move to uh, OHL or, or the or the King Boudouin Stadium uh, where the Belgian national team is playing. But the stadium is what makes this team remarkable. It's the club has something old-fashioned, and as you're uh, as you're in love with with Italy, there's a link with Italy too. Uh, with Union, did you know that? The link between Italy and Union. I didn't know, Christophe. Uh, t- tell us. No, you're, you're, you're a fan of, uh, of Italian music too, I think. So do you know the disco song, Famos a la Playa? Oh, yeah. Famos a la Playa. La Playa. Oh, oh, oh. by uh, James Fusipai. It's, um, uh, they also had another song, No Tengo Dinero. Oh, oh, oh. What was it called? Oh, what were their names? It's Riggiera, I think. There you go. Riggiera. Thanks, Chris. He's their most famous fan. He's, uh, he's often at Union. They even have a banner for him. He fell in love with Union in the in the 90s when he was there for a gig. And uh, the fans started singing Famos on the Playa because some recognized him, of course. Right. And he became a fan of Union because they are... Uh, they are yeah, they are basically uh, founded on the same day as uh, as his favorite club in Italy, Juventus. It's the first oh. of November. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong, but it's 1897, maybe something like that. So it's the same date. They are founded on the same day as Juventus, basically, and that's why he's a fan. And because the fans, uh, of course, uh, uh, started chanting his song. So. There are a lot of Italians coming over, by the way, to for, for a weekend to watch Union because it's pretty old-fashioned. It's beer, singing and having fun in an old-fashioned stadium. It's the football that some older men fell in love with years ago. But yeah, in a few years, Union, of course, will be building a new stadium and then all this, uh, this old-fashioned thing is gone. And then, yeah, it might be not the same anymore. Oh, crikey, Christoph. Do they call the ground La Playa? That would be that would be really <laughs> No, no, no. Not yet. Maybe we should introduce that. We can mm. still do that. They call it La Playa, the new one. So, well, uh, if they do play away at Brighton, you know, in a kind of uh, yes. uh, Tony Bloom derby, then that you know that could be Van the Playa. That could be the Playa derby or, or whatever but, arena. Right, arena sand. means sand. sand. Spanish, nice, yeah. nicely done. Yeah. So, um, uh, but one last thing then, Christoph, on this. So you have this. Very traditional club that's been taken over partly by uh, English money. Uh, there's some English players, an Irish sporting director that come in, a, a kind of modern scouting model for how to, to run the club. How are people feeling about this in Belgium and, and their success? Yeah, everybody has. A, it's a bit of a fairy tale story comparable to, to Leicester. Everybody is basically cheering for Union because it's something different that's happening in the, in, in the league. It's not. Club Rouge, it's not Antwerp, it's not Anderlecht, it's something new and it's an underdog and everybody basically loves underdog stories. So uh, there's no talks about Bloom and how he made his, his money and stuff like that. It doesn't have the, the dirty side of football, which is talked a lot about in, in Belgium nowadays with uh, proper Operation uh, Propaganda, where a lot of directors of, of our top clubs have been involved so Union is the only uh, feel-good story nowadays in Belgian football. Magnificent. All right Chris, well, we'll keep an eye on how things go as they head towards those playoffs and uh, hopefully you'll be joining us to bring us further update on on a happy end to their fairy tale season. Hopefully. All right, Christophe Terreur with the extraordinary story of Union Saint-Gilloise. Angels. I love that story. It's a, mm. it's a really great atmosphere. A few of my friends, you know, my brother and my sister live in Brussels. Oh, yeah. And they go, a few of their friends go as well. It's, oh, a, yeah? it's, a, it's a great story. Fantastic, fantastic club to follow. I don't know how sustainable it is, of course, and, and how much they can stay at the top and etc. Champions League, everything you want. The playoffs already would be a good... A good idea to see how far they can go with the pressure and everything because you can finish top of the table now but mm. still not being champions i think the playoffs mm. brings a different kind of expectations and pressure but they're doing they're doing great uh and and i think well done to to tony bloom and and the work that they've done there mostly with data like christoph said but but also with the right manager and and some players who clearly believe in the story in the in the project the story and and what this club is about so you're you're now a usg fan 
rather than a PSG fan. I'm, I'm being this, told this... every week, come, come and come and jump on the Eurostar, come and and uh, go to a game with us, which I haven't done. We had right. James. Were you there on BBC Five Live? We had uh, the other striker, Dante Van Zier, who who came and said like even the players didn't really believe in and in in the whole season and how well that was going. That was a few weeks ago already. So now it's even more incredible that they've. They've not just performed that well, but consistently and stayed at the top pretty much since day one. So it's really, really remarkable. All right. Did you know, Alvaro, that their aforementioned stadium, 102 years old, do you know what it was the venue for? The first ever event of something. Do you know what? Well, probably the Olympics. No. Spain's first ever match, although maybe that was at the Olympics. Oh, okay. Maybe that was. (laughs) Spain's first ever match. They thought, hey... Rather than get together in 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 Madrid or Barcelona, but <laughs> you make it sound like it was like jumpers for goalposts, where they just went, ah, well, shall we just sit down here? Where are we? Brussels, no, lovely pitch. suburbs, looks a lovely brilliant. Pitch. When that was looks that? Great. When was that exactly? Nineteen oh two. Nineteen oh two. Was it? No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I've got no idea. Vamos a Bruxelles. I read that somewhere. Listen, if it's not true. Um, what the hell? It feels true. Well, that's a lovely, heartwarming uh, note to finish today's Totally Football show on. Alvaro is still checking that first Spain international. Of course, we'll be back next Tuesday with all the latest Continentals, uh, Continental doings. So do join us for that. And have a great week in the meantime. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to the Totally Football show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.